Okay, so we started this topic uh, <clears throat> back uh, in terms of disciplining uh, in love. And we were looking at different scenarios to see uh, what is our perspective and how we would handle uh, these issues. And the intent is that uh, we could have a discussion and also see what is our perspective, but also look at it from a biblical standpoint, uh, what would be an appropriate response. And the idea is that uh, at, we should have a shared point of view uh, as a church in certain areas so that uh, we are not getting multiple answers uh, for the same question. So there should be some kind of consensus uh, so that we kind of believe uh, in the same uh, approach. So we talked about three uh, topics in the last two meetings. We talked about interpersonal conflicts and we talked about those who are causing divisions uh, within church. And we also talked about uh, unmarried couples uh, living together in the same uh, house. So today we'll continue with uh, three more topics, uh, God willing, uh, based on our time, and we'll see how it goes. Okay, so we saw that disciplining in love uh, is what we are focusing on. Uh, so the idea of discipline uh, is consistent with what we re read in the scriptures. Uh, we see that Lord loves discipline and he also disciplines uh, those he loves. And the idea is that the discipline is always uh, exercised uh, in the spirit of love. And at the end, uh, it will produce the harvest of righteousness, uh, even though it might be painful uh, in the short term. So we fully realize that when we are exercising discipline on others, uh, it may not be very pleasant either to us or to them. Uh, but at the end, uh, it would produce uh, something that is profitable for everyone. And we looked at some uh, broader thoughts uh, in terms of uh, discipline. And the goal is uh, to maintain the uh, testimony of the church, uh, which is very precious uh, to the Lord. And it should also be precious to us as members of the church. And also to restore uh, believers uh, who are kind of straying away. Uh, from what is the correct uh, path. And we also want to make sure that disciplining takes place uh, in the context of the local church. Uh, so we are not to go around disciplining the whole world or other churches, but uh, we should have an understanding uh, on how to do it within the context uh, of the local church. So we talked about uh, one, two, and three, so we'll skip to four and see how to do it. Okay, so this is uh, scenario number four, uh, where we have Pete, uh, who has good command of English, and he's also a gifted uh, speaker, and he's able to deliver uh, great uh, sermons. And it could be very dynamic, it could be very exciting, and the congregation is impressed. Uh, but when we, uh, Look at the messages, uh, there are many doctrinal errors. Uh, the pastor is thrilled that new people are joining the church and the bank balance is growing. Okay, so it's a very simple scenario to see how we would respond uh, to this situation and the context uh, between natural talents and God's gift. So we'll take a look at uh, three questions and see uh, how you what you think. So the first one is simply, what do we expect to hear uh, from the preachers? And many of us uh, come to church uh, regularly, and we might also be hearing the word uh, on the internet, or we might be reading uh, different books. 
So what is our motivation or what is it that we expect to hear? Or why do we even come to church or listen to messages on YouTube and so on? And what could be the reason for the errors uh, that are being made uh, in the messages? And what should be our response? So these are the three questions and we can discuss for a few minutes then come back and see if we can approach it, yeah. So the first one is a very open question. So what do we expect to get from the messages that we are hearing? We expect mainly from the follow the Bible, brother. Bible follow the Bible. Teachings. Yeah. And the, probably I think there are a lot of interpretations we find online or somewhere in the books yeah. and everything, right? So yeah. Most likely, we may be like swept away by those like interpretations, different interpretations. Mm -hmm. Like so, that's the danger where we need to be careful. Yeah, yeah. So it could be the same Bible but different interpretations. Yeah, yeah. Like we are in church on Sunday and during the week, we might be listening to different things or reading different things. Uh, so what is the purpose? I think main purpose, at, at least for me, is transformation, right? Sure, yeah. So you should be transformed. Yeah. Like, if you are the same person, no matter whether in Christ, Yeah. 10 years back, and after salvation of 10 years back, or after also, like, you know, if you're not transforming uh, into a different... Because you know yourself, right? You're still not perfect. Yeah. But I think... Uh, having the fellowship, understanding who Christ is and looking and introspecting, right? So if you are changing yourself mm -hmm. and transforming, I think that's the... That could be the core, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there may be many other things, but... Yeah. My worship should change. My prayer should change. I mean, like, you know, not how I pray, but mm -hmm. the discipline, right? Mm -hmm. So the, these transformation in your day-to-day -day living should change. Yeah. And that change should definitely be seen by your family, by church members. You, you should be uh, a good testimony, right? Uh, in, in every aspect, at least if sure. we are following and disciples of Christ. Yeah. But ultimately our teacher is like, you know, even if there may be a lot of interpretations, yeah. Your teacher is the Holy Spirit. Yes. Right. Uh, you will definitely have that conviction if somebody, because the same message can be interpreted even by the hearers in different ways, depending on what situation of life mm -hmm. is going through or she's going through. Right. Some may have going through a financial distress. Somebody may be going through exam. Somebody may be going a job. Like, you know, somebody may be having some relationship problem. Yeah. The word is same, right? Yeah. But I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit mm. speak to each one of them, all of them, if they're listening and grounded in Christ. So what do you think is the reason for errors? Uh, yeah, we want to get something when we are hearing the messages. Uh, we want to grow in the knowledge. We want to be transformed. Uh, so what could be the reason for errors and how should we respond to it? Let's say you go to listen to someone and you identify that there are some errors. 
like the Berean believers, so, maybe you found some errors error? in the sense, like you know, mainly from the doctrine point of view, or uh, doctrine. Or, yeah. yeah, it can be pronunciation problems. No, 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 not problems. Like I'm, I'm saying there are plenty of errors, right? Not cultural, yeah, biblical errors. Biblical yeah. errors. So what could be the reason for it, and how should we respond? Yes. Okay, as we. Uh, so I believe when the word is uh, delivered by someone, whether it is online or in a church uh, setting, uh, it must give the complete uh, counsel of God. So it should be a complete uh, biblical counsel. So it should not be something that is half-baked or it should not be a partial counsel because that can be very dangerous. And secondly, it should be profitable. Uh, even as brother said, it should lead to transformation. So there might be many opportunities uh, for it to be profitable. Uh, it was something that leads to learning or knowledge. It could lead to correction in our lives. It could lead to repentance. Uh, it could be encouragement to us, depending on the season of life. Uh, it is something that is inspirational or gives us direction or revelation into a word, which is not clear for us, or it could be challenging for us, or it could... Uh, lead to spiritual maturity at the end. So uh, if you're not uh, seeing this uh, in the messages that we are hearing or listening or reading, then maybe uh, it is kind of falling short uh, of our expectations and it may not be the best uh, use of our time. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, which is a familiar verse, it says all scripture is given by uh, inspiration of God and it is profitable. So the word that is given to us, uh, it is meant to be uh, profitable for us. Uh, it is meant to be a valuable thing. So when we don't see a profit in the word uh, that we are getting, then something uh, is not right or something uh, may not be right in that context. And Paul writing in Colossians that we have gone through in our Bible study, uh, he talks about uh, preaching Christ uh, warning everyone and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present uh, every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So we see that Paul had a very uh, clear purpose uh, in why he was preaching. Uh, he, he was preaching Christ, and we saw that uh, many times, that his focus was always on Christ. And here he goes on to expand, uh, warning people and also teaching them so that at the end, uh, they are transformed or they are, they are more spiritually mature uh, as they hear the messages. So there could be many reasons why there might be errors that are made uh, by messengers. Uh, it could be, I feel it could be uh, something that is uh, intentional or it could be unintentional. So uh, intentional mistake would be where the preacher is using the scriptures uh, out of context to reach uh, a wrong conclusion or to justify uh, their point of view, or they may be, as brother said, to misinterpret or to misapply the God's word, or they might be adding or deleting uh, sections from the Bible. And in a sense, they're not giving the full counsel. They're teaching uh, partial truth. So they may, be, they may be teaching that God is a God of love, and not talking about God as a God of justice. It could be a partial truth, uh, which would lead to partial obedience, which is uh, dangerous. 
or they might be simply uh, lying in terms of how they are presenting the word. And sometimes uh, we see that preachers, uh, they don't even use the Bible. Uh, they might be simply uh, using jokes and stories and the news uh, just to keep the audience engaged. So it's almost like uh, listening to a stand-up uh, rather than listening uh, to a message. And they might be appealing to the flesh uh, and emotions rather than trying to uh, profit the spirit or to meet the needs uh, of our spirit. So many preachers are guilty of doing that and they might be doing it for selfish reasons. Uh, they might be doing that to uh, build the congregation uh, support and to, to increase their uh, growth in the church. And we also see unintentional mistakes where uh, someone might be authentic and a genuine uh, believer, uh, but they may still make mistakes uh, because uh, their knowledge may not be complete. And of course, uh, the knowledge is uh, incomplete for all of us or, and our lack of experience. So I feel uh, these could be two main ways uh, mistakes are made uh, from the pulpit or from the internet or from the books uh, that we read. So what should be our response to intentional mistakes and unintentional mistakes? Uh, let's say you're going to a church and this is what you see in that church. What should you do in that case? I think error, yeah, if we identify yeah. that's unintentional, no brother, we yeah. have to lovingly remind them that yeah. it's an error. Yeah. yeah. Heresy is a little bit challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So intentional mistakes could almost be uh, considered as some kind of uh, false teachings. So I think uh, uh, we should uh, reject uh, those teachers. And as brother said, uh, if it's uh, unintentional and it's just, uh, in that case, we should simply lovingly correct and also train so that they are uplifted and they're able to give the word uh, the way it should be given. And the Bible warns us uh, several times uh, about false teachings and about false uh, prophets. In Matthew 7.15, it talks about beware of false prophets which come in sheep clothing but inwardly they are ravening wolves, which means uh, they're not there to give, but they're there to steal uh, from the uh, people. And Jeremiah 23, 16 says, uh, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They are filling you with false hopes. They speak visions uh, from their own minds and not uh, from the mouth of the Lord. So they're giving a word uh, which they say is coming from the Lord but obviously it is not. Uh, they are simply using words, uh, using their intellect or for their own selfish uh, motives. And it's coming out as false uh, prophecy. And Paul, again, writing in Acts uh, 20, 29, uh, we read that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, uh, not sparing the flock. So we see this uh, all around us uh, in different churches, in different denominations. So it is not something that is uh, out of the ordinary, where we see that the whole congregation is uh, put on the wrong track uh, because of false teachings or intentional mistakes. 
And the Bible says uh, we should reject uh, the false uh, teachers. So that should be the response. Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9, it says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. Uh, if they're coming to you and bring not this doctrine, which is the doctrine of Christ, uh, receive him not uh, into your house. So when we identify that the teaching that we are receiving uh, is not correct and it is not consistent uh, with the doctrine of the Bible or the doctrine of Christ, uh, we should simply reject, uh, we should walk away. So obviously, uh, if we are associated with the church where we know that the doctrine is not correct, uh, it is not consistent, then we should not entertain such teachings. We should not be consuming uh, those teachings because uh, it's not going to do us any good. Uh, it will not be profitable. And 2 Timothy 3, 5 says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such a turn away. So there might be uh, many preachers who we think uh, are godly, uh, but we also have to look uh, at their lifestyle. We have to look at their witness. Uh, we have to look at their testimony. And if you feel that uh, what they are preaching is totally uh, inconsistent uh, with their way of life, or if there is no uh, presence of the Holy Spirit or the power of the Holy Spirit uh, in their life, then we should uh, turn away or we should reject. And again, in 2 John 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, uh, do not receive him uh, into your house, nor greet him. And in 2 Timothy 2.17, and their message will spread like cancer, which means uh, it's very dangerous to keep on consuming uh, something that is not good uh, for your health. Uh, so just like if we keep consuming things that are not good, then eventually it will start impacting our health. Uh, in the same way, if we continue to consume uh, messages uh, which are not correct, uh, it will start to spread like cancer and eventually uh, it will kill us. So that is the danger of being in the company of false teachers or uh, tolerating or uh, not doing anything about it. And again, in 1 Timothy 6, uh, 3 to 5, uh, he kind of tells the same things. Uh, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, uh, he is proud knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words. Wherefore cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, uh, perverse uh, disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth, supposing that gain is godliness. So good teachers uh, will promote godliness. They will promote unity. They will promote uh, spiritual uh, maturity. And here Paul is warning Timothy that uh, he should withdraw himself uh, when he finds that the teacher is corrupt or if their character is flawed or if their motives are wrong, where they are using the doctrines or using the preaching uh, to make money or something else. And if the end result of the teaching uh, is envy and strife and all kinds of uh, wicked things. So that is the first uh, solution. Uh, when the mistake is intentional 
or when we think that the teaching is uh, truly false teaching or false prophecy, uh, we need to withdraw ourselves and we need to reject uh, such teachers. So what if it is one of us in the local church? What should we do in that case? So here we are talking about walking away from a church or not entertaining them. What if the situation is in the context of a local church where we see that one of them is guilty of that? Brother, I think even, even to know yeah. that somebody, somebody is not, not preaching in the right way, then yeah. we have to know what is right, first of all. Yes. Right? That, that's more important. Yes, we should be like the Berean believers, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's true. Yes. We have to be like Berean uh, believers. Yeah. I mean, that means we have to be, we have to read our scriptures daily, right? And really understand. Yeah. So if something is not correct, then obviously we should uh, remove them in that context, right? Because there's a greater danger to the church if those things uh, continue and we see, we accept that as a truth. And obviously, as you said, uh, we ourselves, if we don't know what is the truth, then it is even more dangerous. So if we are not reading the scriptures on a daily basis, then it's very easy to get carried away by the wrong doctrines. And I think that is what we see in the world, where we see many cults and many denominations uh, that are built on wrong doctrines because uh, people themselves are not reading the Bible. So they are simply uh, taking the word of the preacher uh, as the ultimate word and not questioning it or not checking for themselves. Yeah. And uh, as brother said, uh, if someone is making a genuine mistake and which happens uh, all the time uh, because none of us are perfect and none of us have complete knowledge. So oftentimes it could happen that we could make mistakes. And if that is the case, uh, then we need to correct them uh, in the spirit of love and we need to train them. And when we went through the book of Acts, uh, we looked at Acts chapter 18, and this is a passage from there, where we read about uh, Apollos, who was very, uh, here it says he was very eloquent, and he was also mighty in the scriptures. So obviously, uh, he could deliver the word in a way that is very uh, effective. But at the same time, when Aquila and Priscilla, when they met with him, uh, they felt that uh, he didn't have complete uh, knowledge and there was something lacking uh, in his understanding. So we see that they took him, uh, uh, they mentored him uh, so that uh, he can expand the way of God uh, more perfectly or more completely. So in this case, uh, they are not uh, rejecting Apollos. They know that uh, he is uh, authentic or he has the potential. And it is simply that there are some gaps uh, in his learning or understanding. So they mentor him so that he can mature uh, in that ministry. And later on, uh, it goes on to say uh, that he was very effective for he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly uh, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. So if we reject uh, people who are authentic and who are on the path uh, to progress or path to growth, then obviously we are cutting short their ministry or we are making a mistake. And in those cases, uh, it is our responsibility to uh, train them, uh, even as Aquila and Priscilla did, 
so that they can continue to grow uh, in the ministry that the Lord has given and they can be used by the Lord uh, in the days to come. Uh, in 1 Timothy 3.6, uh, which is in the context of leadership or context of uh, overseers, uh, it talks about uh, not giving ministry uh, to a novice. And here uh, it makes the remark that it would lead to pride or we can see uh, it could also lead to mistakes uh, in the future. So it's always good to train and test uh, before we put uh, anyone uh, in the ministry, uh, whether it is the word of God or whether it's anything else, any other uh, responsibility in the church uh, so that uh, we don't have to deal with uh, mistakes uh, at a later point. So those are the two uh, solutions that we see uh, for the challenge. Uh, if there is a false uh, teaching or unprofitable teaching, then we should reject or we should walk away. And when the mistake is unintentional, then we are we should probably train or test. A prosperity gospel nowadays, uh, that is also there, right? Yes. About on a prosperity gospel. Yes, yes. Yeah, again, that is uh, dealing, uh, not giving the full message or focusing on certain aspects of the scripture that appeal to people more. So again, you're trying to uh, use the church more as a business kind of thing where you want to make sure that people continue to come to church and they continue to have a good opinion of you. So, yeah. Okay, these are uh, gray areas. So we have a student who attends a local church and he is convinced uh, about certain things because he can find the answers in the scriptures but he is unable to find answers to real temptations like movie, music, and drugs, and so on. So he feels that since some of these issues are not directly addressed in the Bible, uh, we have no right uh, to tell him what to do. So this is a short scenario. So we have three questions that we can talk about. Can Bible guide us in all areas of our life? And what is... Uh, considered a gray area, what would be some examples of gray areas in moral and ethical behaviors, and how should we respond or how should we deal with those kind of issues uh, when they come up? Uh, either it could even come up from our children, it could come up in a church setting, and if that is the case, how should we tackle it? So the first question is, can Bible guide us in all areas of our life? We just now quoted Second Timothy three sixteen. <laughs> I would say yes. Also yes. So yeah. I think sometimes the it is not very clear, but it is has the potential to guide us in all areas of our life. So God created us, and He gave us the Word of God uh, as a book to guide us. So obviously, uh, He's not going to leave us in a situation where we cannot be guided. Uh, either by the word of God, which is also inspired by the Holy Spirit. So what do you think is a gray area when it comes to moral and ethical behavior? And what might be some examples of that? I think whether we know that uh, know the world correctly, then I don't think there would be any gray areas. Everything is black and white then, right? Yeah, but that's the only thing is that if I have to do it, probably I will convince myself a little bit, say, okay, this should be okay. It's mm. not a big deal. Uh, I can do, just do it, right? So 
those things probably maybe could be considered as a gray area. So, uh, so what would be an example of that where you justify your actions <laughs> even though it's not in the past? Since I recently returned from India, right? So yeah, for yeah. example, if we had to bring something from India, like yeah, seeds, yeah. Are, which are things prohibited, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, uh, <laughs> food items are everything, right? Yeah, yeah. Those things, right? Uh, some people even don't even think about it. Some people think and feel guilty, but still bring it. Yeah. Some people, of course, do not even bring it, right? Yeah. yeah. So th even though that's a very small thing, uh, yeah, yeah. We are we do not apply that there then. We are like a sidelining mm. for us for our convenience. Sure, that's sure. one example I can say. Yeah. Yeah. Oftentimes people justify behavior based on that reasoning that uh, it's not gonna harm the others and it is not really harming me either. So why not do it, right? Yes. So one of the gray areas generally, yeah, I guess there's a lot of um, you know, focus on uh, the life of uh, the fetus and everything, right? I mean, yeah. as, as, yeah. in, uh, as a church, yeah. very strong, which is which is good. Yeah. But in the same way, some people may also question: then, uh, how is the you know how is the capital punishment? Yeah, yeah. You know, not thought in the same way. Mm -hmm. So human beings are precious. Yeah. Human beings are all, it's the it's same. So how could you support one and but not the other? Mm. Yeah, that would be a long discussion, the abortion and the gun control. We should, we should probably discuss that at some point, yes. So is it possible for something that is black and white to become gray over time? So what would be an example of something that is black and white, but has become gray over time? I mean, our kids, right? Yeah. You may be inheriting... Say, just look at our parents and us. Yeah, yeah. Something has diluted. Yes, right? yes. And then as we pass on the heritage, our kids may start influencing. And then I think Suresh's example can be taken into different uh, spectrums, right? Uh, he's given a very good practical example. Nobody thinks, most of us, I think uh, uh, the newer generation, they don't even think it's it's something is wrong. Yeah. For them, probably it is still black and white. They still consider that. Mm. But if you really search scriptures, certain things, then you know, like, you know, it's it's mm. either right or wrong. Yeah, I think the culture plays a big role, the culture, big. the environment and so on. Because I was thinking that uh, when we were growing up, uh, it was black and white that you should not see movies, you should not listen to music. But over time, we feel that that has been diluted even in a church uh, setting, right? When we talk to certain people, if you talk to a certain generation, you really have to explain, right? But our parents, they never had to explain. They would simply say, uh, don't watch movies. And we would obey also, right? Because that's the way we were raised. So I think over time, a lot of things have moved from black and white to gray areas. And I think the culture has played a huge role. And as brother said, uh, we also have diluted uh, in uh, looking from one generation to the next, we see a lot of compromises being made, uh, even in Christian uh, families. So uh, black and white is uh, obviously something uh, which is uh, seen directly in the word of God. So you can go to the word of God. And when somebody says, uh, should I commit murder or not? 
we know that it is given in the word of God that we should not kill. So that is uh, simply black and white. So anything that we can find uh, a direct reference in the Bible uh, would be considered black and white. And anything else that falls where we're not really sure whether it is the will of God or whether we should do it, whether we should not do it, and whether we can find a direct uh, reference, then it becomes uh, like a gray area. And so uh, any behavior or any practice uh, that is not uh, permitted or prohibited in the Bible uh, can be seen as a gray area. And as I was saying, the, the culture can often changes what is black and white uh, into gray. And as we look back in our own lives, we see that many things have been changed uh, over time. And what used to be very clear to us, uh, we kind of, we have started questioning it or we have started uh, debating it, uh, even uh, in Christian circles. So all of these could be considered uh, examples of gray areas. And oftentimes uh, youth will raise uh, many of these issues. Uh, they will say, we don't say, see anything specific about uh, many things uh, in the Bible. So uh, how can we reach a conclusion? Or how can we make a decision? The Bible doesn't say, uh, don't go and see movies. The Bible doesn't say don't uh, have tattoos. Although it talks about body piercings. And the Bible doesn't say uh, you should homeschool your children versus sending to public schools. Uh, it doesn't specifically say much about clothing. All that says uh, in certain places, but it's not very direct. And also lifestyle choices, whether we should live a simple life or luxurious life and so on. And I feel that uh, we can take uh, in our own personal life, we can make uh, a progressive response uh, even to the uh, some of the decision points uh, that we face. And when we are not really sure, uh, it's always good to pause. It is good to think uh, instead of taking an impulsive uh, decision or acting under peer pressure because everyone else is doing, uh, we should also do it. And it's always good to pray and see how the Spirit will guide us. And the Holy Spirit is living uh, within us and it is able to guide us in every uh, situation. And the third one is uh, more important. We may not see uh, something directly referenced in the Bible, but generally we can find uh, some principle that applies to that situation. And we can see uh, what we are going to do, uh, whether it's going to uh, violate any biblical principle or whether it's inconsistent with uh, anything that we read uh, in the scriptures. And we also uh, need to look ahead and see uh, what would be the final outcome of what we are planning to do, whether it is something uh, beneficial, whether it was something that would lead to uh, spiritual growth. Uh, is it something that will help us uh, get closer to the goal that the Lord has kept for us? Or will it take us away from us, away from that? So based on that uh, analysis, we can maybe reach a decision uh, not to do it or to do it. Or if you are still not sure, maybe we should give it some more time and think about it so that we can make a more uh, informed decision uh, where we are more uh, at peace. And these are some uh, biblical questions that we can ask ourselves. 
And actually, Romans uh, chapter 14 uh, is a good chapter to read. You can go back and read on your own. Uh, it talks a lot about the uh, issues of gray areas and how we should respond uh, in that situation. So it talks about food as an example, uh, but we can apply that those principles to other gray areas and see how it uh, applies there. So obviously, whatever we do uh, has a context uh, of God. It will affect us, and maybe it will also affect others. So these are some questions that we can ask ourselves uh, when we are not sure uh, whether or not to do or whether it's the right thing to do or not. So the first one is simply, uh, will it uh, glorify God? And 1 Corinthians says, uh, whatever we do, uh, it should bring uh, glory to God. So I think uh, the spirit will usually convict us. Our conscience will convict us. Uh, if you are doing something that will not bring glory to God, uh, I think uh, if we are honest, uh, we will get a clear guidance uh, from the Lord whether that action is going to glorify God or not. And there are many things that we do. Uh, we can ask ourselves whether it will defile my body, uh, which is God's temple. So if you're watching a movie which you think is uh, inappropriate, uh, either to the senses uh, of your mind or to your eyes or to your ears, then obviously we are defiling our body, which is God's temple. And uh, it doesn't take much reasoning to figure out uh, what music, what movie is uh, inappropriate uh, for a believer. And then we have to ask whether it is uh, beneficial uh, in some ways. Paul says, uh, all things are lawful, but all things may not be beneficial. So God has given us a free will to do many things. Uh, but not uh, everything might be beneficial in all seasons of life. So obviously, as we are getting old, uh, we try to be more disciplined uh, in our eating habits. So obviously, God doesn't say, don't eat this, don't eat that. But at the same time, we also know that some things would be profitable, some things won't be. So we should ask ourselves. And as we are going through that uh, decision or making that action, uh, we would also see that uh, if it is uh, from the Lord or if there is no contradiction with the scriptures, uh, we will have peace uh, in our heart. But if we continue in that path, uh, which is not correct, then the Lord will make us feel restless uh, in our spirit. And that's a clear uh, signal that even though it's a gray area, the Lord is telling us uh, it is not the right thing to do then will it be addictive and eventually uh, enslave me? So anything that leads us on the path of addiction uh, is obviously not good. And Paul, in both Romans 14 and also in 1 Corinthians 8, uh, he talks a lot about uh, becoming a stumbling block to other believers. So he talks about food uh, that is offered to idols. Uh, so for one believer, uh, it may not mean much. Uh, they may consume the food that is offered to idols, and they may not think twice about it. But there might be uh, another believer who's watching that uh, behavior, and he may see that as a sin. So in that sense, for them, it becomes like a stumbling block. So Paul's, uh, Paul is very clear uh, in his exhortation that the way we live our life 
uh, should be a testimony to others. Uh, it should strengthen other believers. Uh, it should not uh, make them stumble. Uh, it should not make them become weak uh, in their faith. This goes back to the second commandment. Uh, whatever we are doing uh, should be an expression of our love uh, to others. So if whatever we are doing, as Brother said early on, uh, if it's going to hurt others, then even though it's in a gray area, we can be sure that that is not what God would want us to do. If the final outcome is uh, hurting someone, uh, either within the family of God or even outside. So uh, if you're still not sure how to go about uh, making a decision, we need to pray more and seek uh, God's counsel. And Psalm 32 and verse 8 says, I will instruct thee and teach you in the way you should go, which means uh, God is able to guide us in every uh, situation. And we can claim this promise and we can ask the Lord that we are not really sure uh, how to proceed, but your word says, I will instruct you and teach you uh, in the way you should go, so you can seek uh, God's guidance. And we always have other believers in Proverbs 11.14. It says, in multitude of counselors, uh, there is safety. So if you're not sure about a gray area, then we can always talk to other believers who might be uh, more mature than us or who might have gone through uh, similar experiences, and they might be able to guide us. And Romans 14.1 uh, uh, tells us not to dispute uh, over doubtful things. So we should not uh, make an issue of the gray area and use that to divide the church or use that to create conflicts uh, between uh, brothers and sisters. So Romans uh, 14 uh, is a good chapter. It uh, clarifies a lot of things. Uh, that we should not be a stumbling block and we should not use uh, things that are not fully explained or which could or not very clear uh, to create a dispute. And if you're not convinced uh, ourselves and if you don't have a clear guidance from the Lord, then we should not judge or we should not pass opinions uh, based on our own bias or limited knowledge. So we should not look down on others because they are doing certain things when we ourselves are not sure whether it is right or not. So in that case, uh, it's better to be flexible and open to reasonable rationale uh, offered by the other person. So those are some thoughts on the gray areas. And uh, we've been talking about discipline uh, in church, uh, but before we can talk about discipline in church, uh, we must uh, fix ourselves before we start disciplining others, right? So it's easier to see order in church uh, when there is discipline in our own personal lives and in our own homes. So if there is discipline in our life and if there is also discipline in our homes, and if that is the character that we are taking to church, then obviously the church will be in a better place. But if we ourselves are indisciplined and if we ourselves uh, do not have a proper uh, structure at home, then obviously we're bringing all of that baggage to church. And if uh, everyone is coming with that kind of baggage, then obviously the church uh, will also have many issues uh, because those problems are getting uh, even bigger. Yeah. Number five, which is uh, business in church. So we have a church which has around 
100 people and one person decides to set up a local store uh, in the fellowship hall, which obviously it's very convenient for church members. They don't have to go anywhere to shop. They can just shop right after church, right in the church. And because of that, uh, church is growing and the business is booming and maybe they are making contribution to the church. So should we do something about it or should we just let it coexist? Another example there. Yes. When I was young, I think uh, the churches, right? I think they yeah. used to bring the first fruits from uh -huh. the church and they yeah. do the auction. Okay, okay, yeah. They say that it's, it's only we'll give the money to church only, like what is wrong with it? Yeah, yeah. Right, so we raise the money and we raise the fund and we we'll give it back to church. So mm. there's nothing wrong in it or something like that. Yeah, a lot of things I think we move from black and white to gray so that we can actually continue some practices. And I feel that many such things have kind of entered the church and it has been kind of a distraction. So many churches do different things to raise money and uh, it kind of diverts the attention, I feel, uh, in some ways in the church, right? I have one um, kind of counter view that it's sure. not in brother. I heard yeah. it from one preacher on the radio yeah. was uh, kind of uh, saying all the New York Times journal journalists, we don't yeah. have any uh, kind of uh, conservative Christian journalist who represents New York Times. Yeah. And uh, he gave around four to five different examples similar to in movies, we don't have uh, yeah. uh, Christian actors. Uh -huh. And uh, but the command that Lord Jesus Christ gave uh, for us to, is to uh, go and uh, right. make disciples, and we have to. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ Himself was with yeah. us, uh, spending time. Yeah, I was kind of not sure uh, if I, um, yeah, if I am a journalist, uh, yeah, should I even consider working for? some some organization where uh, mm. they even outright denounce the uh, the biblical worldview right outright mm. yeah i think that's the reasoning behind uh, homeschooling also right people think uh, they don't want to be associated with a system where the teaching is not consistent with the word of god in the but, public yeah on the other hand how do i uh, Unless a Christian yeah. child is in, in a public school, how yeah. can you go and uh, show an example, right? That's also there. Exactly. Yeah, that is my position. But again, that's a gray area, I feel, depending on families. Uh, yeah, I think we have to be sensitive to people in terms of where they are coming from. Yeah, we can argue both sides. There are merits to both sides, I feel, right? And in terms of work setting, uh, you might be working in Comcast and Comcast maybe. Uh, giving donations to like yeah. uh, Las Vegas and so on, right? Gambling institutions. Yeah. So would you continue to work for them or would you look for another job? And can you even find a company that is uh, pure, right? Uh, and if you keep looking for that company, then how can you be a light in the work situation, right? How can you yeah. transform the darkness if you're always uh, associated with only the light, right? So... Yeah, so Bible does tell us to be light in the world, right? Which means we have to go into the world. And to what extent we are going deep is a different thing, right? Bible talks about friendship and it talks about fellowship. So 
fellowship is among believers and friendship could be with anyone in the world with the intent of uh, bringing them to the Lord. So our friendship uh, with the world should not be for pleasure or should not be for selfish reasons. Uh, it should be with the intent of at some point I'm going to share the gospel with them and bring them to the Lord, right? So that would be uh, gospel-focused friendship. So how would you deal with this business situation in the church? Would you let it continue for convenience or? I think underlying intent, if it is covet, right? Yeah. Uh, that, okay, it is bringing profit or maybe yeah. like a greed and covet aspect easily comes, right? In most of the gray areas. Yeah. So ultimately, if it is coveting, yeah. uh, then probably it's wrong. What do you think will Jesus do uh, if he sees a lot of heavy business going on in the church? Of course, like, you know, that prime example, he will not, right? He will definitely throw it. But I think even in in our intention, right, we, yeah, yeah. we do shares and stocks and all that, right? Uh, everybody gets indulged into thinking like, you know, it's nothing is wrong. Like, you know, I'm trying to save something. But ultimately, I think, the greed factor, no matter how grounded you are, it comes in. Uh, mm. opportunity lost or like, you know, so that indulgence, I think is ultimately wrong. We all carry mobile phones. Yeah. Uh, we take it very light, like, you know, okay, but how much time do we spend on the mobile phone? Then it becomes idol worship, right? Then it becomes like, you know, there are so many wrong things also people are sending back and forth. Of course, you're not looking at them maybe, Hmm. But it is happening through your phone, which is become part and parcel of your life, right? Hmm. The question is, how do you deal with certain things, right? So it is, hmm. it's not easy. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I feel that within, uh, within the context of a church, uh, I think we should uh, keep the distractions to a minimum uh, so that we don't lose our focus, right? So uh, if you're coming to church on Sunday, I think the focus should remain on Christ. Uh, it should remain on worship. And when these kind of things, uh, even though they may seem very trivial, but there is always the danger that it will take a life of its own. And for example, if you, uh, let's say you have a sari shop every Sunday, uh, it may attract all kinds of people, right? Who are not coming for the word. They might be coming uh, just with a very different intent. So I feel that the purity of church, the reverence of the church should be maintained. Uh, and a lot of things that we do on the site could be done outside of a church setting. It could be done during the week and so on. Yeah.